This, this is the Second Second Story Podcast. Welcome back to the Second Story Podcast. I'm Max Spitz. It's nearly Halloween, and here at Second Story, we never miss an opportunity to highlight the spookier things in life. Despite what horror movies might have you thinking, ghosts and spirits take countless forms in the minds of believers. In this week's story, Chicago television journalist Leanne Trotter shares her own exploration of what and who has haunted her throughout her life. Join her as she seeks to understand the visions that come in the space between sleeping and waking. Recorded live at Pennyville Barcar in Chicago in April 2022, Second Story is proud to present My Mind's Eye. When I was around 10 years old, maybe a tad younger, my brothers and I could always count on dinner at McDonald's once a week. It was a weekly outing our mom let us indulge in. Also, when I was around 10 years old, I was convinced I was gonna die in a car crash. I just knew it. It was always in the back of my mind. The feeling continued through my mid-teens. You know, the time when literally every other teenager thinks they're invincible. The other thing that puzzled me at this time, why a car accident? I had no clue. But consider this. My father died when I was 10 years old. My mom passed away when I was 17. In between my parents dying, two grandparents, two uncles, and a couple of friends all died. So even though I always had this morbid thought that I was going to be killed in a car crash, with all that death in my family, it seemed pretty normal to me. And maybe that's why I wasn't too concerned about it. But I never mentioned it to anyone. And that feeling of dying in a car accident eventually faded away. Then around 25 years ago, I started seeing a vision in my mind's eye, a man's face from the neck up. This would come to me right when I was waking up. And the man, he was, he was kind of looking over me, off over my head, off into yonder, almost as if I wasn't even there. This man had a slim face with a big brimmed felt hat. The top was round as opposed to square, kind of like what a farmer would, might wear, or work, somebody working outside. His expression, just blank. He didn't seem mad, he didn't seem sad, he didn't appear to be saying anything. He would just stare. This went on like once a week for months. It was a bit unnerving to always wake up to see the image of some strange man in my mind, but I was not scared. I'm what you consider a metaphysics student. So I was super curious about what all of this meant spiritually. And by the way, it's also important to remember, these visions did not happen in a dream. They happen in that other space, you know, when you're sort of half asleep, half awake. I like to call it my mind's eye, but I just discovered there's actually a name for it. Those visions are called hypnopompic hallucinations. I know, right? I prefer to just say visions. And those visions always happen in the morning, right when you're waking up. According to the Sleep Foundation, these types of visions are considered normal and harmless in most cases. Yeah, so one day around this time, I was talking to my coworker and friend, Julie. 
I said, I keep having this reoccurring vision and I really wanna know what it means. She said, do you remember Lily? Well, Lily was her friend's mother who did psychic readings and she'd actually done a reading for me once before. She goes on, Lily does past life regressions. I'd heard of past life regressions, but never considered having access to one myself. Julie says, maybe your visions are related to something you did in a past life. I was very open to it because personally, I've always believed that our souls reincarnate somehow. A past life regression is actually a gentle form of hypnotherapy that takes a person back through time to their previous lives or incarnations. You know how people always say this is your only life? Well, in my heart and in my inner core, I've always believed that souls reincarnate and I was fascinated and open to learning more. So that's when I told Julie the rest of the story that I always felt I would die young in a car crash. And she said, oh, Leanne, you have to go through this. So I made the appointment. Lily lived way far up in the northern suburbs and middle-class neighborhood borderlining farmland. She lived in a split-level home with a big fence around the backyard. Inside, I just remember that every room was carpeted, and she led me up the carpeted stairs, and we entered a room on the left that I recognized from my previous visit. There was a table and chairs and a couch with a little throw rug in front of the couch. When Lily had done my basic reading the first time I was there, we'd sat at the table. She'd shuffle a deck of cards, laid them down in front of me one by one, turning them over and then just telling me a bunch of stuff. But this time, Lily had me lay down on the floor. She had a little setup with a pillow for my head. She told me to close my eyes. It's kind of weird when you have no idea what's going to happen to you, but in this case, I wasn't scared at all, mostly because I had been there before and I felt comfortable in Lily's presence. She was a very nice lady. And before we started, she asked me if I had any questions. I asked her how long it would take. She said about an hour. I told her nothing about why I wanted a regression. She said she'd never wanted to know the reason we were doing something. So there would be no question of her trying to manipulate the outcome. She went on, I'm going to take you on a little journey. Her tone, matter of fact, her voice slow and steady. She said, just picture what I'm saying in your mind and follow along. So I take a deep breath as she starts talking. You're walking down a sandy trail toward the beach. You can hear the bugs flying around and you see a couple of birds up above. As she's saying all of this, I'm lying there with my eyes closed, just picturing what she's saying. It's as if I were laying on a therapist's couch, except I was laying on the floor. She says, do you see a bridge? In my mind, I see myself walking over this bridge. And suddenly, it's as if someone takes control of my vision or somebody turned the channel. I find myself in the back seat of an old model sedan, the kind where the seats aren't bucket seats, it's like a long couch. And I'm sure I didn't create those thoughts. It was like a movie was playing inside of my head and I was watching it in my mind's eye. 
I would imagine it's like being hypnotized, except for I've never been hypnotized, so I can't say for sure. But anyway, here I am in the back seat of a moving car. Two people are sitting in the front seat. A man is driving. There's a woman in the passenger seat. They're arguing intensely. A feeling comes over me. I realize that little girl in the back seat is me. And the two adults in the front seat are her parents. Well, my parents, because she's me, but they're different parents than the ones I had in this lifetime. I'm trying to get their attention, repeatedly. They completely ignore me, as if they don't even hear me. I notice the man driving, my father. He's wearing a hat, just like the one I was seeing in my visions all those months. Next. We're in a hospital room. There's a little girl in the bed. It's the same girl in the car, me. She's unconscious. The man from the car, my father, is sitting next to the bed, arms folded, sadness in his eyes. He begins to pray. Then we're at a funeral. Both parents are crying over the casket. I look inside. It's me. The car crash killed me and my parents are devastated. I look at my father. He thinks it's his fault. He blames himself for not responding to my frantic efforts to get his attention in the car. There's this heaviness and sadness around him, around both of them, not only because they lost their daughter, but because they knew it could have been prevented. And then I hear Lily telling me to slowly bring my awareness back into the room we're in. She says to keep taking a few deep breaths and to slowly open my eyes when I'm ready. When I regained my consciousness, I was sad that I had watched myself die but I hadn't been afraid during the experience. I remember being surprised and shocked that I had taken a journey and seen all those images, images that my mind somehow created or remembered. This experience really helped me put things into perspective. So that's why I was having all those visions of the man in the hat. And guess what? Those visions never came back. The mystery was solved, but more importantly, I was relieved to know that that was where my fears of dying young had come from. It made a whole lot of sense to me. A few years later, I was with one of my best friends, Natalie. We like to go to secondhand or vintage stores, and we were in this store on Lincoln Avenue. I think it was the Brown Elephant, but not 100% sure. I just remember it had a lot of furniture in it and it wasn't very busy, so it was pretty quiet in the store. We were just slowly walking around, looking at all the furniture, nothing in particular. As I glanced toward the back of the store to see if anything catches my eye, I noticed this tiny, colorful painting on the back wall. I start staring at it and suddenly, I gasp out loud. <gasps> Natalie looks at me, she says, what's wrong? Look, look, over there. 
I say pointing to the back wall, right there on the back wall of this secondhand store is a painting of a man with a wide brimmed hat. I start walking toward it and the closer I get, my suspicion is confirmed. The painting looks exactly like the man I saw in my eye, mind's eye all those years ago. Oh my God, I say under my breath. I can't believe my eyes. When I get to the wall, I grab the painting. I can't take my eyes off of it. By this time, Natalie is standing next to me. Remember those visions that man of that man I told you about? This is him. Oh my God. Unbelievable, she says. Unbelievable, that's just too crazy. What are the odds? So of course I bought the painting. <laughs> and it sits on my wall in my bedroom. And every time I look at it, it puts a smile on my face. And it also makes me want to explore more about past lives and what happens to our souls when we die. There's so much we don't know. But if someone who was my father from another lifetime could come into my mind, it just makes me excited to think that when I finally make my transition that I will see my family from this life. You know, all those people who died when I was just a kid. And I will finally get to meet my father from that past life and reconcile with him. The other big aha thing about all of this, I'm not afraid of dying. Now that might sound surprising, especially given all the death I experienced around me as a young person. But thanks to things like past life regressions, meditation and other tools, we can all have a full circle experience of existence and never mourn death in quite the same way. This story was produced by Ali Drum and Vic Winter, curated by Julie Ganey, and directed by Lexi Saunders, with music and sound design by Michael Benedict. The Second Story podcast is produced by Max Spitz. Second Story is located in the traditional homelands of the Council of the Three Fires, the Odawa, Ojibwe, and Potawatomi Nations. Our programming is made possible by the Arts Work Fund, Walter Foundation, MacArthur Fund for Arts and Culture at the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, Paul M. Angel Family Foundation, Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, Illinois Arts Council Agency, the Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events, Innovation 80, the Lupo Family, Eric Rothstein and Gina Wamek, Athene Karras and Thomas Applegate, James Lupo, Jessica Wetmore, Hannah and George Stowe, and many generous individuals like you. I'm Max Spitz, and this... This, this is the Second, Second Story Podcast.